This talk was given by John Dido Lori Roshi. Dido Roshi was the founder of Zen Mountain Monastery and the Mountains and Rivers Order and served as the guiding teacher for almost 30 years until his passing in 2009. This talk, like all of our talks, is offered free of charge. If you'd like to make a donation or find out more about our retreats and residency programs, visit our website at zmm.org. Thanks for listening. The Gateless Gate, Case 9, Daitsu Chisho Buddha, the main case. Once a monk said to Master Seijo of Koyo, Daitsu Chisho Buddha did Zazen on a Bodhi seat for ten kalpas. Buddha Dharma was not manifested nor did he attain Buddhahood. Why was it? Joe said, Your question is splendid indeed. The monk persisted. He did practice Zazen on a Bodhi seat. Why did he not attain Buddhahood? Joe replied, Because he did not attain Buddhahood. Master Muman's Commentary The old foreigner may know it, but he cannot really grasp it. An ordinary person, if they know it, is a sage. A sage, if they grasp it, is an ordinary person. Master Muman's poem. Rather than give the body relief, give relief to the mind. When the mind is at peace, the body is not distressed. If mind and body are both set free, why must the holy saint become a lord? A lot of questions came up during this uh, weekend concerning uh, the nature of enlightenment. Several people have asked if indeed we are perfect and complete, why is there so much pain? Why do we need to do anything? Uh, Why is there ignorance and uh, enlightenment? Why are they separated? Uh, In Buddhism, as you know, we start with the original perfection, each one of us perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Somehow, Uh, through the process of living our lives, we get separated from that inherent perfection that we're born with. And by the time we reach uh, maturity, we find ourselves uh, very confused about who we are, what is life, what is death, what is reality. And uh, this koan kind of gets to the bottom of that whole thing. Um, the uh, name of this Buddha, Daitsu Chiso Buddha, literally means wonderful wisdom that pervades the universe. So even his name uh, says uh, what this Buddha is. But the fact is, is that the Lotus Sutra said that this Buddha did Zazen on the Bodhi seat for ten kalpas, and a kalpa is an incredibly, it's eons, incredibly long period of time. And so for ten kalpas, he did Zazen. 
and Buddha Dharma was not manifested, and he didn't attain Buddhahood. And the question was why, the monk wanted to know. And the teacher just confirmed that. He says, you know, your question is splendid. The monk persisted. He said, Zazen, why didn't he attain Buddhahood? And Joe replied, because he did not attain Buddhahood. This uh, Buddha is one of the legendary Buddhas that preceded Shakyamuni Buddha. And uh, Rinzai commented on this uh, koan in the Rinzai Roku. He said, Daitsu means the one who has attained at all places the no nature, no self-reality of all things. Chisho means the one who does not rely on any teaching and has no doubt whatsoever under any circumstances. Buddha is the one whose mind is pure and lucid and whose light penetrates through the Dharma world. To do zazen on the Bodhi seat for ten kalpas refers to the life of the ten paramitas. Buddha Dharma was not manifested means that the Buddha is originally unborn. Dharma is undying. How then could it ever manifest itself? He did not attain Buddhahood means that being Buddha originally, he does not become Buddha again. Well, well that's true. But it's also uh, very intellectual, very explanatory. And uh, what the key to a koan is... And any koan is uh, not the words and ideas that describe reality, but the actual manifestation of that reality. That's what's looked for in koan study. The literature abounds in explanations and descriptions uh, that satisfy from a Buddhist perspective what the koans are talking about. That's not what koan study is about. That's not what realizing a koan is about. So the realization is not a philosophical explanation, but rather a state of consciousness, a state of being, because until that state of being manifests, it doesn't mean anything. So that's what's examined in Doksan, the state of being, not some answer. Do you manifest what you present? And these koans are just vehicles for getting us to manifest in our lives the stuff that the koans talk about, that the sutras talk about, that the teachings talk about, that has been realized uh, by countless Buddhas that precede us. The whole point is to realize it in our own life. But somehow, because of our incredible um, dualistic way of perceiving things, most of this sounds like gobbledygook. We read through the koan collections, and you know, they're not that different. There are not that many points that are being made in, in koan study. It's just that they're being made over and over again from different perspectives, because no matter how many times we think we see it, we're still not actualizing it. 
And Zen training is not over until that which has been realized has been actualized. That which is understood has been actualized. That which is believed has been actualized. It's about actualization, not understanding or believing. And it's a pretty difficult thing to appreciate the fact that we're perfect and complete, that there's nothing to be given, nothing to be received, nothing to be added, nothing to be attained, and yet we live a life of pain and confusion. Why is it? This morning when I was getting ready to, I decided uh, that I was going to do this koan, and I was sitting there thinking about it, and uh, I had a cup of coffee, and I was looking at the latest uh, issue of Shambhala magazine, flipping through it. And I came by an interesting little story, just a very short story, uh, that uh, kind of tickled me. And it had kind of a relationship to me, because I was thinking about this koan also. And the story is by a fellow by the name of Ter- uh, Terry... Uh, Bisson, who is a science fiction writer and is evidently uh, well-published. He's published many scientific uh, science fiction books. And the story uh, starts out, um, they're made made out of meat. Meat? Meat. They're made out of meat. Meat? There's no doubt about it. We picked up several from different parts of the planet, took them aboard our recon vessels, and probed them all the way through, and they're completely meat. That's impossible. What about the radio signals, the message to the stars? They use radio waves to talk, but the signals don't come from them. The signals come from machines. So who made the machines? That's who we want to contact. They made the machines. That's what I'm trying to tell you. Meat made the machines. (laughs) That's ridiculous. How can meat make a machine? You're asking me to believe in sentient meat? (laughs) I'm not asking you, I'm telling you. These creatures are the only sentient race in the sector, and they're made out of meat. Maybe they're like the orfolia, you know, carbon-based intelligence that goes through a meat stage. Nope. They're born meat and they die meat. <laughs> we study them for, for several of their lifespans, which doesn't take too long. Do you have any idea of the lifespan of meat? Spare me. <laughs> okay, maybe they're part meat, you know, like the Wadeli. Uh, a meathead with an electron plasma brain inside. Nope. We thought of that, since they do have meatheads like the Wadeli, but I told you we probed them. They're all meat, all the way through. No brain? Oh, there's a brain. It's just that the brain is made out of meat. <laughs> so, what does the thinking? You're not understanding, are you? The brain... The brain does the thinking. The meat. Thinking meat? You're asking me to believe in thinking meat? Yes, thinking meat. Conscious meat. Loving meat. Dreaming meat. The meat is the whole deal. Are you beginning to get the picture? Oh, my God. You're serious then. 
They're really made out of meat. Finally, yes, they are indeed made out of meat. And they've been trying to get in touch with us for almost a hundred of their years. So what does this meat have in mind? Well, first it wants to talk to us. Then I imagine it wants to explore the universe, contact other sentients, swap ideas and information, the usual. We're supposed to talk to meat. <laughs> That's the idea. <laughs> That's the message that they're sending out by radio. Hello? Anyone out there? Anybody home? That sort of thing. They actually do talk then. They use words, ideas, and concepts. Oh, yes, except they do it with meat. I thought you just told me that they use the radio. They do, but what do you think is on the radio? Meat sounds. You know <laughs> how when you slap or flap meat, it makes a noise. They talk by flapping their meat at each other. They can, e <laughs> they can even sing by squirting air through their meat. It's the vocal cords. Oh my God, singing meat. This is altogether too much. So what do you advise? Officially or unofficially? Both. Officially we're required to contact, welcome, log them in. Any and all sentient races, multi-beings in this quadrant without prejudice, fear or favor. Unofficially, I advise that we erase the records and forget the whole thing. I was hoping you would say that. It seems harsh, but there's a limit. Do you... Do we really want to make contact with meat? I agree 100%. What's there to say? Hello, meat? How's it going? <laughs> uh, but will it work? So I added another little bit to this in between. What else? And this is me talking now, not the other guy. What else do we know about them? Well, it seems they're convinced that the meat boundaries, that is the skin bag, separates them from each other and the universe. Wow, that could get hairy. Yep, they kill each other off at the rate of hundreds of thousands a day. A solar day, not a cosmic day. They're even killing their environment, the very thing that sustains them. What about a brain? What about the brain? Uh, the, they're intelligent. Uh, is there any? It seems so, but it's buried. Buried? Yes, buried in conditioning. You see, they have um, a place, they have in place a system of conditioning. What's conditioning? Well, it's the same thing, uh, sort of like programming, except that it's not conscious and it's not uh, deliberate. It's very arbitrary. Uh, and everything in the planet is involved in this conditioning. Parents condition, teachers, cultures, governments, peers, their religions, their philosophy. All of it is based on this conditioning. You name it. It's all du dualistic. Gee, it's pretty hopeless. Well, not really. They just haven't seen their true nature. They're born with it. But somehow that conditioning thing seems to obscure it. How many planets are there? How many planets are we dealing with? Now we're back to the story. Just one. They can travel to other planets in special meat containers 
but they can't live on them. And being meat, they can only travel through sea space, which pretty much limits them to the speed of light and makes the possibility of their ever making contact pretty slim, infinitesimal, in fact. So we just pretend there's no one home in the universe. That's it. Cruel, but you said yourself, who wants to meet meat? And the ones who have been aboard our vessels, the ones you probed, are you sure they won't remember? They'll be considered crackpots if they do. We went into their heads and smoothed out their meat so that we're just a dream to them. A dream to meat. How strangely appropriate that we should be meat's dream. And we marked the sector unoccupied. Good. Agreed. Officially and unofficially, case closed. Any others? Anyone interesting on that side of the galaxy? Yes, a rather shy but sweet hydrogen core cluster in Class 9 star G45 uh, was in contact uh, with two galactic rotations ago and wants to be friendly again. They always come around, don't they? And why not? Imagine how unbearable, how utterly cold the universe would be if one was separated from the whole beautiful catastrophe. That last line's mine. So here we are, these blobs of protoplasm on planet Earth, convinced that we're separated from each other, convinced that uh, when the whole blob of protoplasm comes together, that that's who we are, and convinced that when that blob of protoplasm disintegrates, that's the end of us. And what we haven't received, realized is what is inherent in each and every one of us, realized or not. That life is the unborn, death is the unextinguished, there's nothing to be added, there's nothing to be lost. And that's why Daitsu Chiso Buddha never attained Buddhahood. There was nothing to attain. He was born a Buddha and he died a Buddha. And that's the case with each one of us. Now the problem becomes, that being the case, like these globs of meat that we're talking about, if it's there and you don't realize it, it means you're not using it. If it's there and you're not realizing it, it means that you're functioning in this world as if you were separated from everything else. A couple of people talk to me about lonely. Lonely is based on separation. When we realize that there's no self and no other, there can no longer be loneliness because the whole thing is one reality. That's why in arriving, not a particle is added. That's why in departing, not a speck is lost. Not an atom is lost. Muman says, the old foreigner may know it, but he cannot really grasp it. In order to grasp it, the old foreigner is Bodhidharma. In order to grasp it, you need to separate from it. You need to stand outside of it. We talked about attachment several times during this weekend. 
Attachment is not even possible unless you have two things. And so first you have to separate yourself and then you have to attach. And whether we're attaching to a person or our art or our ideas or our positions, whatever it is, Buddhism, enlightenment, whatever we attach to, a Mercedes, the Dharma, they're all the same. We separate ourselves from it in order to attach. And that's why I say there can't be loving, really loving, unless there's no attachment, no separation. It's an intimacy, no separation that love occurs. It's an intimacy that we function in this universe in a way that's in complete accord with it. No barriers, no boundaries, no edges. That's why it can't be grasped. That's why it can't be realized. An ordinary person, if they know it, is a sage. But a sage, if they grasp it, is an ordinary person. Ultimately, we complete the circle by returning to the place that we started from. Muman's poem, rather than give the body relief, give relief to the mind. When the mind is at peace, the body is not distressed. Now, obviously, that's based on the understanding that body and mind are not separate. How many times do we um, uh, respond to our own physical tension, our own pain, our own uh, dis-ease, uh, thinking that somehow it's come from the outside, that its cause is somewhere outside of ourselves? When we begin to realize that how we perceive ourselves, how we perceive the universe, and how we perceive each other makes all the difference in the world and how life goes. So in that little story, you know, we talked about the conditioning. Why it's there, I have no idea, but the fact is it's there. And it's been on this planet for thousands and thousands of years, probably had to do with survival at a certain point as we first began to evolve. And then when you begin to couple that with intelligence, you come up with all sorts of awful consequences. Oh, we've done a lot of wonderful things as a human race. I mean, we've cured diseases and so on, but we spend a lot more money and a lot more time and a lot more effort perfecting instruments of destruction when you think about it. And why? You know, try to explain it to these beings on the other planet. Why do they do this? Why do they make these little metal projectiles that poke holes in the meat and let the fluids spill out of them so that they die? Why do they do that? 
Well, usually it's uh, uh, it's uh, about um, some thing that they're holding on to, a land, a position, their religion, or whatever. Um, and then uh, the countries uh, get together and try to make peace. But while they're trying to make peace, other members of that same country are selling weapons so that they can kill each other off. That doesn't make sense. Try to explain that to the being. Well, they do it for money. Well, what's money? It's um, uh, power, but in the form of paper. Uh, and it's by agreement that it has value. And this is why they kill each other off. This is why they spend more time on destroying than healing. Uh, it seems endless. And why? Why is all of that? It's just based on one thing, dualism. It's, we're convinced, we're absolutely convinced, and everything around us reinforces it, that we're all separate globs of protoplasm, uh, that have to defend our turf. Well, born meat, die meat. But if we can get to that place within ourselves and realize that the bag of skin is only the smallest part of who we are, that the universe itself passes through us, that there's no way to separate ourselves from even the most insignificant infinitesimal particle in this universe, not just in this earth, and that everything that happens to any part of it happens to the totality. That we're interpenetrated, interrelated, we have the same causality. What happens in Africa happens here to you personally. What happens in outer space happens to you, here, personally. It makes a very different way of appreciating our lives and of appreciating our relationships. And most importantly, it makes a big difference in how we live our life. If the mind and body are both set free, why must the holy saint become a lord? What does it mean to set free the body and mind? And like I said, koan after koan, sutra after sutra, saying the same thing. To study Buddhism is to study the self. Study that bag of skin. Study the meat. To study the meat is to forget the meat. To forget the meat is to be enlightened by the 10,000 things, that is, by the whole phenomenal universe. To be enlightened by the 10,000 things is to cast off body and mind of self and other. What is it that remains? When you do that, everything, the whole universe remains, including the meat. But there's no longer any separation. And body and mind 
are set free. It includes everything. And to realize that is to return to our true nature. There's nothing wrong with our intelligence, there's nothing wrong with our brains, there's nothing wrong with a glob of protoplasm, it's just how we use it. And we don't come with an operating manual when we're born. So, parents depend on their parents, and convention and cultures depend on history and so on, and we're in a loop in a loop that's self-destructive. Hmm. It doesn't need to be that way. Someone asked me if there was any hope, and my answer was, no, there's no hope. But there's practice. Practice has nothing to do with hope. Practice begins with coming home to the moment. And when you come home to the moment, you come home to yourself. And when you come home to yourself, really come home to yourself, you give life to the Buddha. That just means you give life to your true nature. And our true nature is the nature of the universe. There's no way to really separate it. We separate it, we separate ourselves with our minds, but the fact is that it's not like that. And so when we live, our lives in accord with those notions that are not in accord with life, we constantly run into difficulties. Everything becomes a barrier. Everything becomes a resistance. And there's conflict. And there's self and there's other. It doesn't need to be that way. So, how do you get to that place? There's nothing that can be given. There's nothing that can be added. There's nothing that can be received. So how do you do it? It means getting rid of the extra. Getting rid of all the baggage that we carry around with ourselves. Getting rid of all of the ideas and all of the things that we hold on to. And see that underneath all of that, is a being, perfect and complete, lacking nothing. We need to uncover it. That's why it can't be given. It's kind of like, uh, I think Michelangelo said it, that he doesn't create images, he just releases them from the stone. He chips away the extra, and inside there's this perfect piece of sculpture. That's what Zazen is, that chipping away of the extra 
so that we can get to that ground of being, realize it, and then actualize it. Well, we do that. We touch everything in this great universe. Thanks so much for listening. To find out more about the monastery's programs, weekend retreats, and residency, please visit our website at cmm.org.